Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. I wonder if we could give that hand clap of praise to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords because he's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We worship you and we magnify your name. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. Praise God, and you may be seated. What a privilege it is to be in the presence of the Lord. I've learned in my life not to take the presence of the Lord for granted. It's already been said here this morning, you never know when it's your last day to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I've also served the Lord long enough to know that he never takes a day off. In fact, his word tells us where two or more gathered in his name, he's there in our midst. Amen. Thankful for that. I'm thankful for what the Lord is about to do in this service. As I was in prayer and preparing for this service, I felt like God is going to speak to someone's heart specifically here today. If you open your minds and your hearts to receive what God has, I believe that God's going to release something in someone here today. Uh, In fact, I'll just go ahead and just give the secret away. I I believe someone's been sitting here thinking that you're inadequate and that you're not able to do what God has called you to do. But I'm here to tell you today that God has sent me all the way from France to let you know that you are on his mind and that he has not forgotten you. Amen. Amen. What an awesome God we serve. I'm thankful for the God that we serve. Amen. 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 I want my wife to come. As she's coming, she's coming with my three-year-old, Caleb. I want to thank the boys for allowing us to be here. Thank you very much. It's a privilege to be here. And what a, uh, a time we've had. Uh, and just in the, in the few minutes that we've been here in service, I appreciate that word so much this morning. I love that church. That's what you need, roots. I don't want to ever get tired of just sitting in a Bible study and learning the word of God. The Bible said the word of God changes us, but it also says it washes us. And I'm thankful for the word of God. Appreciate what Pastor delivered this morning and the presence of the Lord that we felt here this morning. Folks, I'm telling you, there are people outside of these doors that were sitting on bar stools last night that are craving what we felt in the first few minutes of this service. And I'm so thankful for what God has done. My wife is going to come and she's going to tell you a little bit about what's going on in France. Caleb might have something to add to that. I always give a disclaimer. He's three. He travels a lot in the van, and sometimes he just has a burst of energy, and I never know when it's going to happen. So God bless you. Gloire au Seigneur tout le monde, c'est une joie d'être ici ce matin avec les saints de Dieu. Praise the Lord everybody, it's great to be here with the saints of God et de pouvoir le louer et l'adorer, to be able to praise him and worship him. Et comme le psalmiste David dit, as the psalmist David said, je suis dans la joie quand on me dit, allons à la maison de l'éternel. Parce que le meilleur endroit c'est dans sa présence. And as the psalmist David said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because um, in his presence, that's the best place to be. Uh, I bring you greetings from France. Great things are happening there. We're having tremendous revival. Um, I grew up in France. I'll tell you a bit about myself. I grew up in France. My parents are missionaries there for 40 years. And uh, so one of the first churches we started was with my brother and I, and we rounded up a bunch of neighborhood friends, and we had church in our garage. And you can start the slideshow now so they can see the first slide. That's us right there. And um, I grew up in France, and I, um, I came back to Canada when I was 17. 
But the burden of uh, going back to France, I had such a burden to go back. So I've, I stayed there in Canada many years. I pursued my studies there. And finally, three years ago, we were able to go back for a year on AIM. That one year turned into three years because there was such a great need for souls to be saved. And in those three years, we've seen over 200 people baptized in Jesus' name and filled the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. To give you an example, in our home church in Melun, we have so many people on Sunday mornings that we had to put pe people in the basement with live feed, and that wasn't working out anymore. So we started a new project this past January. It's called Destiné de Doublé, Destined to Double. Now we have two services, one at 9 and one at 11.30, and both already packed. So we really need a new building in Melun, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. The uh, indigenous French people are a bit harder to the gospel, a bit, a bit more of a challenge, but God has opened a door, and that is through gospel music. They love gospel music. So if they heard Oh Happy Day like this morning, they would start dancing, and they just love it, love it. So we took advantage of that, and we went to different um, city hall, uh, cities in, on their squares and then malls as well at Christmas time, and we sing gospel music with our choir, and they love it. One mayor came by from another town, and he said, please come to my town because I, I want my people to hear this wonderful gospel music and the truth. And that's our choir right there in one of the malls. Um, and then in another town in Fontainebleau, where Caleb was born, uh, we, had, uh, we also had the mayor loved it. So they've actually asked us to come back this Christmas to sing at their Christmas market. We've actually started uh, two cell group meetings, or we've had it twice already now, two cell group meetings in that town. We're really praying for a, a church in Fontainebleau. That's really our next goal when we get back to France is really focus on this city of Fontainebleau. Uh, just this past month, we had a group of about 60 people do a prayer walk and sing in the streets, and we have tremendous contact. So we're praying for a church in Fontainebleau. France has 66 million people and only 17 UPC churches. To give you an example, or to put in perspective, uh, the state of Florida has 21 million people and uh, over about 180 churches, UPC churches. So France is very under-churched and needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. So if you could join us in prayer that we uh, hurry on our deputation trail and get back to France because there's a great need. Thank you for your prayers. We appreciate you. Amen. Praise the Lord. As my wife said, there's a tremendous need in France. I don't know if you got that statistic, but there are 66 million people and only 17 United Pentecostal churches. There is a great need for the gospel in France. And God, I believe, has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's not because of anything that we have or our talents, but it's just his time. And the Bible has a way of showing us when God is ready to move. The Bible says in the fullness of time. And I believe that God is ready to move not only in France but globally. And I think we are right in the middle of the end time revival that the Bible has prophesied about. And I believe that God is doing that work now. Many times you hear about France in the news and it's generally not good news. It's usually about some kind of terrorist action or something of that sort. But in the middle of all that God is pouring out his spirit. In fact, we are experiencing unprecedented revival in the country of France. And it's funny because the terrorist actions have really spiked in the last few years while we were there. But in the midst of all that, the Bible says where sin doth abound, grace, grace doth much more abound. And I'm thankful for the grace of the Lord that's, that's touching lives and, and, and still saving people. And I'm thankful for that. If you'd like to help us in any way, as my wife said, we do cover your prayers. We don't just say that. We don't take that lightly. We know that your prayers could go around the globe in an instant. And God could touch and move through your prayers. So we cover your prayers. We ask you to pray for us. And we also ask if you want to help us in any way financially, there are two forms in the, in the foyer that is at the table that we, are, we have set up there. Uh, there's one green form that you could help us. There are projects. There are specific projects that you can help us with. Uh, there's MK education and things like that. There's language studies. There's uh, a fair for, to, to go back to France. Uh, if you would like to help us with that in any way, we ask you to help us with that. We'd appreciate it very much. Just to let you know, we go back to France and we start at zero. When we left France, 
we gave up our apartment. We sold our furniture to our uh, landlord because it wouldn't have been worth it to store the furniture uh, for so long. So we go back to France and we start with nothing. So anything that you can do to help us, we will, we appreciate it very much. And also there's a yellow form if you want to partner with us monthly. Uh, you are welcome to do that also. All those forms are outside. Uh, God will bless you when you give. I, I tell you that. Uh, I just want to give you an example. A few months ago, while we were in France, the van that we were driving broke down, and we wrote to some of our partners uh, here in the States, and we told them the situation, and one church in Louisiana sent us $2,000 to fix our van. Well, we fixed that van, and a few days later, we drove that van and preached a revival service where eight people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's a unique thing about that. No one in that church in Louisiana was present physically in that church at those altars praying for those people for them to receive the Holy Ghost. But because of their giving, they were absolutely instrumental in what took place across the globe. And so that's how God could use your prayers and use your finances to impact uh, his work across the globe. Amen. Amen. There's so much more I could tell you about France, but in the interest of time, I want to move into the word of the Lord. If you want to find out any more about France, we will be in the back area after church. Please uh, ask us and we will be happy to tell you so much more about what God is doing in France. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to stand with me and turn to the book of 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings chapter 4. We're so happy to be here. So happy to be here. There must be something good about this church on Sunday mornings. My son never likes to get dressed to go to church. This morning he made me put on his clothes without even a peep. I said, we must be going to a good church today. He's ready for that. God is so good. My son was born in, in France, as my wife said. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in the message. That was not planned. But my son was born in France, and he, because he was born there, he's got an uh, EU citizenship. He's a French citizen. And then I'm a United States citizen, so he's got citizenship because of me. And my, my, my wife was born in Canada, so he's got Canadian citizenship because of her. So we've got more passports in our house than we know what to do with. <laughs> So I told my wife, anything goes wrong in these last days, I'm with Caleb. His passport's going to take us wherever we need to go. Amen. Second Kings chapter 4, verses 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me. What hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Verse 5 says, So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children off the rest. What a unique story in the word of God. I want to try to bring that out today and preach to you on something I've entitled, Wanted Empty Vessels. Wanted Empty Vessels. Can we lift our voice and lift our hands now and just ask God to touch in the next few minutes, open our minds. Thank you, Jesus. We need you, Lord God. Not by might or by power, but by your spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And before you see it, give somebody a high five and say, Wanted, empty vessels. 
Amen. Unique story that we just read in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. The Bible tells us about a woman that's now a, a widow. She, she, the Bible says that her husband, who was a prophet, is now dead. It also tells us that she was unable to repay the debt that they had uh, amassed. And to make matters worse, there was people knocking at her door. And the Bible says that they came knocking at her door because they wanted to make her sons bondmen. And they were well within their rights to do that because Mosaic law had stated if someone was in debt and their creditors, they were not able to pay their debt, that the creditors were able to use their family member to pay off that debt until that debt was paid off or until the year of Jubilee. So these men or whoever it was at her door knocking, they were well within their rights to come and ask for her sons to be bondmen. The woman realized that she is in a desperate situation. So it is at this point where she knows about Elisha and she goes to speak to Elisha. Now keep this in mind. The Bible says that her husband was a prophet. So she knew the office of a prophet. She knew what that entailed. She knew when she went to the prophet that she was not going to a man to get human reasoning. She knew that she was going to the prophet to hear from God. And so when she went to Elisha, she went to him and she rehearsed her situation before him. And Elisha turns around to her and he says to her, ma'am, what do you have in your house? What a peculiar question. He says, what is in your house? It's almost like he wanted to know, well, what do you have to work with? What are you willing to work with? And she says, I have nothing, sir, in my house, save a pot of oil. Then the next thing he tells her puzzles me a little bit. He tells her, he says, okay, you have nothing in your house save a pot of oil. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go to all of your neighbors and I want you to borrow vessels, even empty vessels. Now that word even, empty vessels, is not saying vessels and even ones that are empty. What it's saying is that I want you to borrow empty vessels. Go to all your neighbors and borrow from them empty vessels. Now I scratch my head when you first read that because I'm thinking, wait a minute. Uh, Elisha, this lady just told you that she has nothing in her house and you're sending her to her neighbors to get nothing. I mean, don't you mean she needs to get vessels that are full of meal or full of oil or get some money from her neighbors? Isn't that what you mean? No, Elisha says, I want you to go to your neighbors and borrow empty vessels. And now by faith and obedience, the lady listens to the prophet of God and because she knows it's the word of God. Can I say today in this room that many times God speaks to us and it doesn't quite make sense. I know in this lady's mind, she's probably thinking, why empty vessels? In our human reasoning, we always think, why this? You know, we come to God many times with our prayers, and we kind of tell God our prayers, and then we tell him how they need to be answered. But then when he answers them a different way than we think, we say, what's going on, God? What have you done? But the Bible tells us that his ways are far above our ways, and his thoughts are far above our thoughts. And so there are sometimes in your life, I don't know about your life, but many times in my life when God directs and orders my steps, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I'm glad that I don't have, I have a God that has a higher intellectual capacity than I do. I'm glad I have a God that sees my future and just doesn't see the next two or three days. But he's working everything out in my life because he sees the next year, the next ten years in my life. And while it might not make sense what he's telling me for today, we've got to know that what he's telling you is absolutely the right thing for your life. Even though it does not make sense. So the lady in faith and obedience, when we get to the next uh, verse, the Bible says so she sends her sons out to go and knock on these neighbors' doors to get empty vessels. Now, if you can imagine it with me just for a few minutes, the stigma that's already attached to that family. They are the poor family in the community. No doubt people saw the creditors walking towards her door. They knew what was going on. And now, on top of all of that, she's sending these boys out to the neighbors to borrow empty vessels. Uh, Mrs. Jones, yes, son. 
Uh, my mother sent me over here to borrow some empty vessels. Are you sure? Yes, she did. Okay, here you go. Mrs. Smith, my mother, and by the time they get about three or four houses down, you can imagine some of the people in that neighborhood, in that community, are looking through the curtains now, and they're saying, what in the world is going on? Everybody has that in their community. In my community, it's me. I'm always looking and seeing what's going on. My wife calls it nosy. I just call it curious. I just want to see what's going on outside. And you can imagine at this point, people are looking and they're saying, what is happening? What are these boys and this lady doing? And some of her, her friends probably tried to convince her, maybe that's not what the prophet said, because it really doesn't make sense. And here you are, making a fool out of your boys, sending them down the street and asking them to get empty vessels from people. Lady, are you sure? And many times, when God speaks into our lives, you can almost know for certain that there are going to be other voices that are going to be telling you maybe it's not God because it doesn't make sense. It could be voices of spirits. It could be human reasoning that's telling you it's not going to make sense. But I'm glad that the next set of instructions that the prophet gave her, he says, when you go into your house, shut the door. Sometimes... We need to shut out the voices in our lives that are trying to tell us, you can't do it. You're too inadequate. God couldn't have spoken that to you. God couldn't have said this, and God couldn't have said that. Sometimes you need to just shut those voices out and say, let God be true, and let every man be a liar. If this is the word of God, I will stand on the word of God. Sometimes you just have to shut the door. To all of those voices and all the people that are trying to tell you things. I always give people this sound advice. I said, if God is speaking something to you, first of all, it matches up with his word and the principles in his word. But if you're having trouble navigating through that, you make an appointment with your pastor and you sit with your pastor and you get something from your pastor. Be careful. So many times we hear something from God and we go tell this one, that one, and this one. We put on Facebook, we put on Instagram, and you know there are people that are firing back saying, no, I don't believe that. There are people that are coming back with theology and saying, well, that's not what God says. You need to learn how to shut those voices out of your life. Because I believe in my life, in my spirit, if she did not shut the door of her house that day, some people would have talked her out of the supernatural that was just about to take place. Don't let anyone talk you out of the supernatural and the miraculous that's just about to take place in your life so she gets into her house she's finally got these boys in the house with the vessels and they're there they've closed the door and now it's just them and she gets what she has her little pot of oil and, okay boys line them up she begins to pour into the first one and the prophet said make sure they're full and here she pours into the first one, and she fills up a vessel. Scripture indicates that the vessel that she had was not as large as the vessels that she had gotten from her neighbors. And so now she's pouring into the first vessel, and she says, wow, I didn't realize this oil could stretch like this. And she goes to the second vessel, and she's pouring into that one, and she fills that vessel up also. And she goes to the third one, and she fills that up. And by now, she's saying, what? Wow, by now she realizes one thing. She recognizes that it's not what she has that's filling up these vessels. She understands now that she's taken what little she does have, and now by her faith and obedience to God, the supernatural has combined with what she has, and now God's will is being accomplished. Whatever he said is being fulfilled because she's taking what little she has and being obedient to God and when you do that he adds to what you have and he makes it what it needs to be to fulfill his will and his purpose and that's what took place that day the lady began to pour into each and every one of those vessels and she filled every one of those vessels then she said to her son come on I could imagine now they're on a roll come on bring it on and now when they come, they, 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 the son says, well, mom, there's no more empty vessels left. And the Bible says at that moment, when there were no longer empty vessels, that the oil stayed. 
because there were no empty vessels. Can I tell you something today? Can I fast forward us all the way into 2018? The Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I want to fast forward today and tell you that God is still filling empty vessels. The only way that the oil stops flowing is when there are no empty vessels. God, if you would get this word picture with me, is standing on the balcony of heaven and he's got that oil poured out and he's ready to pour into people. But there was only one prerequisite today as there was back then it was that those vessels are empty and he's willing to pour into vessels that are empty the bible says in malachi 3 6 for i am the lord and i change not he's still looking to pour into vessels when we look through the bible oil is used to show the uh, the, the holy ghost or the holy spirit in many places and can i tell you today god is still pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. God is filling people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Like we told you in France in the last three years we have seen an unprecedented revival. God is pouring out his spirit just as he did in the physical in the story that we just read. Today in the spiritual he is still pouring out his spirit into lives and hearts and pouring it into vessels that are empty. He's pouring it into vessels that are empty. That's what God is looking for. The Bible says when there were no more empty vessels, the oil stayed. God is saying, I, I want to pour my spirit into some em empty vessels. I want to tell you that oil was an essentiality of the day. It was not only oil for one purpose, but they use oil for everything. They use it as trading. They use it for, for cooking. They use it for illumination. They use it for many things. And just today, when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, it's not just Pastor hit it so good this morning. It's not just for an experience here at the altar, but God wants to lead us with uh, by the Spirit. He wants to fill us with not only His Spirit, but with purpose and with destiny. He wants to fill you with a ministry. He wants to guide you. He wants to leave you. Can I just jump ahead and say, I don't believe that God has filled anybody with the Holy Ghost just to be a pew warmer. I don't think that for any, by any stretch of the imagination. I But you'll never read about him being a halfway God. He fills things all the way. He fills things completely. That's why I love that the scripture said that we all are happy that he filled them with the Holy Ghost. But not only did he fill them in their hearts, but he filled the whole house. And that's what God wants to do in here today. Not just one person, not just two people, but he wants to fill this whole house with his glory, with his presence, with his purpose, with his destiny. God wants to fill. And all he requires is empty vessels. Can I tell you, there's some ministries that are sitting on these pews right now that you are one step away from walking into your miracle and walking into what God has for you. He wants to use you in a mighty way. Many times, I'll confess as a preacher, I don't know, but many times I get behind this holy desk and I feel so inadequate. God, as Pastor said, I, I, I share that same sentiment. These people are coming to hear from you, and I feel so inadequate. But I learned that, God, if you would just use me as a vessel, if I would just take what little that I have and allow you to use me. And someone 
is sitting here today and you're saying, I, I don't have what it takes to be what God wants me to be. And I say that's a lie from the pits of hell. You absolutely have what God wants. You are here today and that means he has chosen you. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. He's not giving up on you. He's not walked away from you, but he's chosen you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's only one requirement. That's an empty vessel. Listen, folks. When the prophet told her to go get vessels from her neighbors, he did not tell her to go see what color they are. He did not say to go see where they were made. He did not go say to go see what used to be in them before they were empty. He didn't say it. In fact, some of those vessels that they brought into that room that day might have been sitting out in someone's backyard on the trash heap, not needing to be used anymore. But those boys came and asked for them, and they said, sure, this used to be my trash, but here you go. But once they got into the presence of the Lord, even that which was thought to be trash was now filled with the oil and filled with the power of God. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Jesus. Stop letting your past hold you back. Many times we stop in the apostolic church because we take two steps forward with God and the devil drops a screen of our past down before us and he says, this can't be you. This is what you need to be. You need to tell him that Calvary's cross took care of that. The blood of Jesus took care of that. I don't care what I used to be, but if I just get myself in a place where God can pour into me, he could use me for a miracle. And use me for his service and his purpose. God is looking for empty vessels. He wants to fill people with a purpose. I believe that we're living in the last day of revival. And I believe that every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place has been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. I believe that you are useful. I believe that God has called you and he wants to use you. And he wants to touch your life. And when I say that, do not think. I just mean you've got to be used behind this pulpit or behind one of those instruments. Right where you are at school. Right where you are in your workplace. Right where you are in your family. God's saying just give me a chance for me to fill you with my purpose and with my destiny. So you can go out and you can minister to lives and hearts and touch people's lives. Oh God. Oh God. Fill us up. Fill us up, oh God. Fill us up, oh God. Fill us up. My prayer for the apostolic church, and I'm almost finished. My prayer for the apostolic church in this age is that we would be only filled with the Spirit of God. Now, let me tell you, this is a question you have to ask. Well, how do I become an empty vessel? You've been preaching about empty vessels. You've been preaching, I've got to be an empty vessel. How do I become an empty vessel? Listen to the scripture in Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in some of your ways, acknowledge him. No way. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You become an empty vessel when you absolutely begin to trust in God to lead you. The Bible said the steps of a righteous man, not gender, but mankind is ordered of God. And I believe that God wants to order each and every one of our steps in this place. That's what he wants to do. You say, how do I become an empty vessel? You trust in the Lord with everything that you have. You say, God, it's your will, not my will be done. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Jesus starts his ministry, and they're waiting for the first sermon. Can you imagine? Jesus, the God man, here he is. I can't wait to hear his first sermon. The Jews think, well, he's about to... To, to, to round us up, to take over these Romans. And he, he gets up on that mountain. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What? What? The poor in spirit? 
that, that's not war talk. That, that, that. But he was telling them, if you want to even take a step from off this mountain and be victorious and be successful, you have to have a poverty of spirit. That doesn't mean that you don't have any money. That means that you realize that without God, you are nothing. So many of us think that what we have achieved is because of our intellect or because of what, but you don't understand. You would not have been able to breathe breath this morning if it wasn't for God. You've got to understand it's the will of God while you are are here today it's the mercy and the grace of God while you are here today trust God with everything that's inside you lean not to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him lean not to your own understanding lean not they call us to go to France I, I, I want to be finished here in five minutes they call us to go to France I want to make a long story short we had moved to Columbus Ohio my wife and I we were doing well. She's a CPA. She had a great job. I was in real estate. I had a great job. We had a great apartment, nice car, nice cars. We're getting ready to buy a house, the American dream, Pastor. We were, we were getting ready to attain it all. And there's nothing wrong with that. It was, it was good. Her, her dad was telling us her dad's been a missionary in France for 40 years. Some of you might know the Novakis. And he was just talking to her about a church in Paris, France at the time that needed an English-speaking pastor. And we got off the phone. We, we were just casually talking about the conversation. And I said, Pastor, like a man of God I am, I said, well, I'm going to pray that God will send somebody to that church. That's my faith. I'm, that's my contribution to that situation. I'm just going to pray that God will open a door there and send a person there. As the days and weeks began to go on, you know, sometimes when God taps on your shoulder. And I started feeling that that's, that's, that's you that's going to go to France. Can I be honest with you? My first response was like, you've got the wrong guy, God. And I started telling God about what he did. I said, you just brought me here and set me up. You just brought my life. You just blessed my wife and I. You, 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 you've done, I was an assistant pastor at the time. I said, you, you've blessed us. You put us in a good church. God, you've got the wrong guy. But God began to tap on my shoulder. Say, you're the right one. I made an appointment with my pastor from New York, wise man, and I trusted him being wise, pastor. And I said, he's so wise that he's going to tell me, Dean, you've just established your life with your young wife. You don't need to go to France right now. That's, I was hoping he would say that. But when I met with him, he says, I think you should go. I said, what? That's not what I wanted to hear from you. You're a wise man. But God gave me the burden for France. And I realized that God wanted my wife and I to go to France. And I struggled with it. I went to walk. I walked into my boss's office. Got to talk to you. I'm going to resign. Okay. Did you get another job? <clears throat> are you moving? Uh, kind of. Where, where are you going? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to France. Okay. At this point, my wife is eight months pregnant. We had already uh, made a, a commitment to go to France. Couldn't turn back now. She was eight months pregnant. We wanted to have Caleb in the States, but she was eight months pregnant. We, we made a decision, and we were going. She closed the door to her office, and she sat down, and she said, do you realize what you're doing? She says, you're leaving your insurance, your hospitals, and doctors that you know to go to a place where you don't even have a hospital for your son to be born. You don't have anything just a boy, I felt like the most irresponsible husband on the face of the earth because she came at me with human reasoning. And with human reasoning, what I was about to do to my family did not make sense. And I'm not telling you, don't walk out of here today saying that preacher says I've got to give up my family and give up my job. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is how God was dealing with me. And I walked out of that office and I said, God, if this was you, let, let me just, just, just help me to go forward. I moved forward with it, and we made plans to go. As we were at that airport in New York City, about to fly out of New York City to France, I looked at my wife that was eight months pregnant, sitting next to me in a plane. That plane was taxiing down the runway. I looked at her and said, oh, God, what am I doing to my family? I've got an eight-month-old 
child in that womb, and I don't even know where a hospital is for him to be born. I'm leaving. As that plane was taking off, I was looking at the skyline of New York City, and I was looking at my bank account that I was leaving behind. I was looking at the apartment and the houses and, 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 and the cars and all the things I was leaving behind. And I said, oh, God, what am I doing? Have I made the wrong choice? I don't understand. Am I making the wrong choice? God said, no, you are who I've called to go to France. When we got to France for the first two weeks, Pastor, this is what we did. We walked around from doctor to doctor. Hey, my wife's eight months pregnant. You mind taking her as a patient? Who does that? Finally, we got to this one doctor. He said, come on in. I'm in with a patient right now. Come on in. He brought us in. He took us on instantly as, as, as his patient. It turns out that my wife, while she grew up in France and she had insurance there, she had insurance that was going to cover the birth of Caleb. And in fact, to make a long story short, when Caleb was born, it was a fraction of the cost that we would have done in the States, even with our good insurance that we had in the States. Let me tell you something. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. And they could come to the instruments because I need to quit. As we're walking, as we go to France, this doctor happened to be in a city by the name of Fontainebleau, France. And keep in mind, we were going to Paris at the beginning. But Paris was only a temporary thing. We didn't, we didn't know what God was doing. So we get to the city by the name of Fontainebleau, France. And so we're going there for our doctor visits, Pastor. And as we're driving to that city, we're saying, wouldn't it be nice for there to be a church here? We're driving back and forth to our doctor visits, and we're saying, wouldn't it, nice, wouldn't it be nice for there to be a church here? And as we're going back and forth after Caleb is born, and we're going back and forth to that city and just visiting that city, Fontainebleau, God begins to speak to us. Now we're finished in Paris. The, uh, the missionary had come back to Paris that we were covering and we moved out to that area. And God began to speak to my wife and I and say, I want a church in Fontainebleau, France. Folk, can I tell you something? I was so distressed when my son could not be born in the States. I said, God, what are you doing? He brought us all the way to Fontainebleau, France, because he wanted to establish a church. If they have that picture, that picture that I put up, so we're going back and forth to Fontainebleau, and we say, God, there has to be a church here. You, I know that God's telling us I want to plant a church here. And so we start talking to the local church about that. We're saying, there needs to be a church here. We, we, we need to have a church here. So as my wife testified, we went to do outreach in that city. That's the city square right there. And the mayor's assistant is walking by, and she gets the choir on FaceTime on her phone. And she calls the mayor, and the mayor says, this is what my town has been missing, this choir, this spirit right here. He says, I want you to come back to my town because we need this. A few weeks later, a young lady in our church received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we initiated a Bible study with her. We said, well, ma'am, where do you live? She says, Fontainebleau. Ma'am, do you mind if we come to your house for a Bible study? No problem. Do you mind if we start a cell group in your house? No problem. Started those cell groups. Mayor invited us back to the city to sing at Christmas time. Two weeks ago, a group of young people went and they formed a circle in this city of Fontainebleau. And that's the church people in that circle right there praying for God that we are going to plant a church in that city. If you know, the next thing I'm about to say, I need to preface it with this. The, Europe, the Euro European people don't want to really have anything to do with the gospel. They really don't. They want to have a good time, but they don't want the gospel. As those young people gathered in that city and their circle there and they're praying, a man from that town takes a picture. We don't know who he is. He sends it. He finds the pastor's email address. He sends it to the pastor, and he says this. Thank you for bringing the sunshine into my town. 
What that man doesn't know is that it has not even begun yet. Is that God, we are already seeing God moving on the hearts of people that would otherwise want to have nothing to do with the gospel. But God is already putting us in contact with people's hearts that are melting and saying, I want your choir to come back. I want you to minister. And I know when we go back to France in the name of Jesus that we are going to have a church planted in Fontainebleau, France. And this is why, folks, not because of anything that I've done, but because one day when God tapped on my shoulder, I said, God, I'm full of my own plans, but I've got to offload my plans so I could be filled with your plans and with your power and with your destiny for my life. And because we did that, God is getting ready to pour out his spirit in the city of France that we did not even know before. Can I tell you something? You are about to step into your miracle right now. There are people in this church, there's giftings inside of you. There are things that God wants to pour into your life. But sometimes, I don't mean this in any negative way, I don't mean this to be harsh at all, but sometimes we're so full of ourselves. We're so full of our own plans. And we say, God, I'll get back to you when I've accomplished my plans, and then maybe we'll talk after that. But God is saying, if you, oh, my God. I know that I'm speaking into somebody's life right now. God is saying, I know what I've been talking to you about does not make sense to your human reasoning but if you would just follow me if you would just be obedient to me I am going to use you in a way like never before I believe that we are in the middle of uh, outpouring of the revival that God is sending in these last days and you are going to be a part of it and you are going and every one of us are going to be a major part of it when we get full of the destiny and the purpose that God has for our lives. If you would stand with me. Young people, I feel a special calling for you right now. And I'm reaching for you right now. I went to public school. I played ball. I played football. And I'm not bragging. In 12th grade, I was a captain of the football team. Church was going to general conference that year to play. I used to play the drums. Church was going to general conference. I went to my coach and I said, Coach, church comes first. He said, what? He said, church comes first. He says, you know, we have an important game coming up this weekend. Yeah, I do, but church comes first. God comes first. You know, because I made those decisions in my life, I believe that's why I'm standing in front of you today. Because I said, God, it's not about me, but it's about what you want for my life. Can I tell you, these young ladies that are looking at me right now, God absolutely wants to touch you. God wants to pour his destiny into you. God wants to minister through your life in a way like you've never even imagined before. If we would only say, God, your will be done in my life. This community has not seen anything yet. When the people in this church, not that you have not done it already, but when we have made up in my, our minds that God, it's your will or nothing, we will not be able to have room enough in this place to keep them out because God wants to order our steps. Hands raised right now. I feel a special unction of the Holy Ghost in this place. God is speaking to a heart right now. Yes, yes, yes. I have not come here to condemn you today, but I've come here to encourage you, to tell you that God absolutely wants to use you. Empty vessels is all he wants. Empty vessels is all he wants. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, 
If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God wants to fill you today. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God wants to fill you today. Jesus, Jesus. Church, I want to do something specific right now. I want everybody in this building that's 25 and younger to come and stand before the altar. If you'd give them some room. 25 and younger. I want you to come stand right here. Church, the kingdom of God is a multi-generational kingdom. We're all going to be used. We're all going to be used. But can I tell you something? I feel for some young people because they fight, they're fighting pressures that we have never even imagined in our lives. But I know that we save the, serve the same God, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that's spoken to my life has something for each and every one of these lives right now. And as a church, we are going to pray together that God will advance his kingdom through us as vessels. But church, I want us to pray for these young people. I want us to pray that I feel this in my spirit right now. I want to pray that something will come alive in them. There will be a sense of purpose like never before. That they're willing to lay some things down like never before. And I believe that God is going to do it right now. Church, this is such an important prayer that we're about to pray. If we could all lift our hands. If we could just pray a prayer of forgiveness. Come on, go ahead and do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Just lift your hands. I want us to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of all my sins, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for putting things in my life before you. Cleanse me, Lord God. Not my will, but your will be done. That's it. That's it. Some people in this building are on the, on the verge of a miracle right now. Because you are going to allow God to move through your life. Now, if you prayed that prayer of forgiveness, I just want you to lift your hands right now and begin to receive what God has for you. And I'm going to pray for you. Begin to lift your voice and receive that. Begin to say hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I declare. I declare. That's it. Lift your voice and receive that. Yes, I declare the glory of the Lord through my life. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.